For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, here's Danny and Will. It's Wake and Rake time, episode 8. It's April 16th. We got a hell of a series coming up. Battle of Southern California, Dodgers, Padres. I mean, we've really been looking forward to this since really for a year. I mean, they had the playoff series last year and the Dodgers ended up rolling over the Padres because the Padres didn't have their starting pitching. And now to set us all up for this upcoming series, we got my boy Will Middlebrooks as always. And then we got Alana Rizzo, our Dodgers expertise. She spent over seven years with Sportsnet LA, Dodgers reporter. Now she's back at MLB Network, where she was before. Alana, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Happy to be with you guys. This is great because Will played for the Padres. Alana was with the Dodgers for seven years. So we already got some feuds going. So, I mean, this is going to be a good time, I think. Yeah, no yeah, question yeah. about it. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this series plays out. I know that this one's been circled on the calendar for a lot of people for a while. Yeah, and I know we're going to get to the question of, is this a rivalry later on? But this is the beginning, the beginning of the rivalry. We can't call it that yet. You know what? We can just talk about this right now, Danny. All right. I know you want to talk about this last, but I want to talk about it now. I'm just, hold on. This is not, everyone's talking about this being a rivalry. This is not a rivalry yet. Padres haven't beat the Dodgers. They're still little brother. And now on paper, it's a rivalry. I get that. For the fans, it's a rivalry because there's hope. <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of that for the Padres much the past, I don't know, 20 years. So on paper, it's a rivalry. But until the Padres prove that they can physically beat up on the Dodgers a little bit, who are, what, 10-2, and 11-2 and two right now? Yeah, 10-2. and okay. two. And you know uh, what? I agree with you. I think if, uh, if the Padres can start – consistently beating the Dodgers and if the Padres fans can take back Petco Park when the Dodgers play in San Diego I think then we can start to consider it more of a rivalry but right now I still think just based on history the rivalry is is Giants Dodgers even though the Giants aren't where they have been in the past Um, I'm excited that San Diego is going to provide some competition in the NL West this year, I think it'll be good for the Dodgers. I think it'll be good for the fans. I think it'll be good for baseball, but I'm in, in agreement with Will that it's it's not a rivalry yet. So two two of the best teams in the NL are, depending on traffic, two hours away from each other. That's, that's amazing for the fan, the fan bases. Um, and yeah, like Petco Park, like you said, they got to take that back. It didn't matter if it was a Wednesday getaway day game. It was packed and it looked like my shirt. <laughs> and that is not at the time that was not the Padres colors. All right. It was, it was Dodger blue. It wasn't our, 
camo brown or whatever <laughs> color they are, mustard, whatever they are this year. It wasn't that. It was Dodgers fans. It, was, it, it felt like an away game. It was really weird, actually. Yeah, I think San Diego has such an amazing um, city. So I think a lot of folks want to go down there and walk around the gas lamp district and have a good time. And it's such a walkable city. And it's like you're right there on top of on top of the park. Great bars, great restaurants. It was a weekend getaway or even a, you know, a weekday, a week, a week series, you know, a weekday series that they'd go down there. And, uh, you know, there's Dodgers fans all over the country, all over the world, really. It's a very international team, as you guys know. But um, yeah, I, you know, I get un- in trouble on Twitter from Padres fans that are blowing me up because I call oh. it Dodger Stadium South. But it is. It's Dodger Stadium South. And until yeah. I can see some consistent series there where it's the majority of fans or Padres fans, to me, it's going to continue to be Dodger Stadium South. There's more. I feel like there's more. Sorry, Danny. I know you want to talk so bad. This is, this is on me. Yeah, see so you open your mouth and I just have to like sneak in. <laughs> Padres fans, it's very easy. Now, I'm not saying there aren't loyal fans, but there's much more loyal Dodger fans. And now that's based off of the success they've had. Padres haven't had a ton of success. And San Diego is not known for baseball. It's known for the beach and surfing and food, the food scene, all that. So it's not LA's hard not? for people to LA's not, not be diehard fans. LA is not. That, that's what I said. The history of winning makes more loyal fans because people like to be bandwagon fans. You don't want to be a fan of a terrible team. No, that's, that's really tough to do. Now there's still those fans in San Diego who have been through the ups and downs, a lot of downs with them. Those are the loyal fans. And those are the, the little section of Padres shirts you see during the home games when you play the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, so I, I really see you being more 50-50 this year. I don't know what the capacity rules are there in California either. So we'll see. Yeah, it's not as open. I mean, I think Dodger Stadium now has about 15,000 fans or whatever, and they have a capacity of 56,000. So, right. um, you know, California, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a bit to get like your home state of Texas where it's just a big free-for-all with <laughs> the rangers are 100 percent. the astros are 50 percent um california is gonna gonna take a bit to get there yeah 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 and i last i checked two padre fans were basically crossing out any dodger fan i was trying to buy a ticket to whether it's StubHub or any of these third-party apps somehow they're monitored they're trying to get only padres fans and i like that you know there's something to be said for that i mean it's maybe maybe it's time that that this does become a rivalry you know we'll say and it's just you know, uh, two, two hours down the way on, on, you know, I-5 or whatever to get to San Diego from LA. And, and that's great. And I know that some of the Dodgers or excuse me, the Padres executives were saying, you know, we're going to give our Padres fan base, you know, some incentive not to sell the Dodgers fans. I'm, I'm fine with that. I think it's great, but you know what? It doesn't matter if it's hundred percent Padres fans or hundred percent Dodgers fans. If the team on the field can't continue to make it a rivalry, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's not yet. Rivalry games. It So the word rival, rivalry, like I played in Boston versus New York, right? That's a very well-known rivalry in sports. Maybe one of the biggest. It's not as intense between the players as it is between the fans. Mm-hmm. It's bigger for the fans. Uh, you know, whether you're going to school that day wearing your, your Padre stuff or your Dodger stuff, making fun of your friends, like whatever, like that's what it's about. The players you think about it you care that game holds a little more weight because of that but it's because you don't want to let your fans down it's not because you really it's not like how it used to be where you're like i hate 
I hate those guys because there's so much tur- turnover in the game now. Exactly. No one's really on the same team. There's not the Dustin Pedroyas and the the Derek Jeters that you don't have those anymore. With free agency and the money that's being thrown around, it just doesn't happen. So the rivalries within the teams isn't as intense. I think the players could can certainly feed off of it though. Like you can feel the energy in the crowd. Like for, for sure. example, Trent Grisham last year. There wasn't fans in the stands, but he heard Dave Roberts and the other dugout kind of barking a little bit because of the bat flip against Kershaw. That kind of feed, like that energy, you can feel it from within. So I think it kind of, it made me mean more to fans, but I think the players can kind of feel the vibrations coming from Absolutely. Them. You're right. Alana, let me ask you, Andrew Friedman touched on it when he signed Trevor Bauer. They asked him, I don't remember who asked the question, but they basically said, you know, are you paying attention to what San Diego's doing? And he was honest and he said, it's impossible to ignore what they've been doing. How about player wise? You have relationships with different players and you were, you know, within that clubhouse and within those players really a lot last year. How much are they paying attention to the guys two hours south on the I-5? Well, I think, you know, the Dodgers, well, really any team that is in it to win it and isn't purposely tanking um, is a team that you have to pay attention. And San Diego has a lot of tremendous players. And we always talk about, you know, that cliche of winning the off season. So when Preller goes out and signs the universe um, and some really, really good players, of course, you're paying attention to what's happening. Again, you have a World Series team that is so unbelievably stacked with the exception of two two subtractions in Jock Peterson to the Cubs and Kike Hernandez to the Boston Red Sox, right? So you have pretty much your same core of guys. So for him to be able to, again, get David Price back, and if David Price is pitching out of your bullpen, it's pretty incredible starting rotation, right? So you get Trevor Bauer. So you have three Cy Young Award winners in your starting, in your pitching staff, you know, top to bottom between two in the rotation and one in the bullpen. So Andrew Friedman, of course, he's paying attention to what the other teams, particularly in his division are doing. I'm not certain though, that he's necessarily worried about the Padres. I think he's worried about making sure that the Dodgers get to the postseason and are they built to win in October? And I think they've shown that, you know, they are and adding Trevor Bauer to, you know, a three-year $102 million deal is only going to make them better if he can continue to pitch the way that he did in his Cy Young year with Cincinnati. And so far in three starts, I'd say it's worth the, you know, three-year $102 million um, when he has the opportunity to opt out after the first year. So the whole point is to get back to where they were last year and prove that a 60-game season wasn't a fluke. And I don't buy that there's an asterisk because having gone through it last year with them, I think it's so much harder to win in a pandemic um, than a non-pandemic. And the other 29 teams that didn't win it would take it in a heartbeat. So I don't buy that asterisk stuff, but um, it's a very long-winded answer to your short question. Is he paying attention? Of course, but he's more worried about his own club than you know what, what the rest of the, the league is doing. I'm glad you brought up Bauer. Let's talk. Let's talk pitching matchups here because we got some good ones coming up. And, and keep in mind, you mentioned Trevor Bauer. He's really struggled against the Padres in his career. For whatever reason, that's like the, his kryptonite. His ERA is, over his career is like up over five. I think he's 0-3. I don't have his numbers right in front of me. But he's acknowledged that too. And Machado has just raked off him. And Bauer's made some fun with it on Twitter. And they're having fun back and forth. But that should be interesting. So right now, the way it lines up, now these could change. These are projected. It's Walker Buehler versus Ryan Weathers. Ryan Weathers, 21-year-old, is going to be making his first career start on Friday. 
You Darvish versus Clayton Kershaw on Saturday. Trevor Bauer, Blake Snell on Sunday. Snell's coming off of a really rough start against Pittsburgh. He was unable to make it out of the first inning. But nonetheless, those are, you know, five out of the six, not including Ryan Weathers, who's expected to be an absolute stud, but he's only 21 years old. Those are five really star pitchers right there. So these are going to be some really good pitching matchups this weekend. Yeah. Now you, I don't know who you're asking. I don't know if you're talking to me or Alana, but. She just talked, so I'll give her a well, break. You guys stole the show for the first like ten minutes of this episode. And I was just chilling back, so I'm trying to like make up for it here. Yeah, I mean, I think people are look at Weathers Bueller and they think, oh, like, no, oh, that's big advantage Dodgers. I don't know. This kid's arm is electric, and mm-hmm. I didn't know he was only 21. I thought he was like 25. That's insane. So that's huge for them too. Um, I'm just looking at the matchups and thinking advantage here. I like Kershaw. I feel like Kershaw is going to pitch till he's 50. I know. <laughs> um, then I don't really think he's old. He's only 32. I, he's my 33. age. He's 33. I think. 33. I think he's 33. Yeah. He, he graduated. So. Because he has the same birthday as my grandmother. That's I only, I always remember Kershaw. I'm glad you brought that up, Alana. So I had to do some research on you beforehand to try and be like a good host. We share the same birthday, August 8th, by the way. Oh! <laughs> You almost forgot to bring that up. I almost, you know, here, here's another funny story. And then we can get back to um, Dodgers Padres. So everybody asks me if I'm related to Anthony Rizzo. And technically I am related to Anthony Rizzo because my grandfather, my father, my brother, and my nephew are all named Anthony Rizzo. So a technicality ah. is yes, I'm related to Anthony Rizzo. However, nice. the Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs is also August 8th. Oh, we have the same birthday. No but way. I'm a little bit older than him and a lot poorer than him. <laughs> you have the same birthday. Yes. Oh. So I am kind of related to Anthony. That's Rizzo. cool. That's a cool story, though. That's really cool. I knew. <laughs> That's great. all right, Danny. What do you want now? What do you want to talk about? Let's talk head to head. Okay. So okay. I'm going to play mediator here. I'm going to rely on you guys. This is kind of like, look, Brooksy played for the Padres. Alana was a reporter for the Dodgers. This is, you know, head to head. So we're going to go one by one through each category. Each of you are going to tell me which of these two teams has the advantage going into the series. Now, keep in mind, Denelson Lamette's on the IL. Uh, Fernando Tatis is expected to return on Friday. That's the latest news. We don't know that for certain. But for the sake of the argument, consider the teams that they have on the field going in this weekend. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about Denelson Lamette because he's not going to be out there, likely. So for the sake of the argument, Let's worry about the teams that are actually going to be on the field. So the first one, and I'll start with Alana here because she is our guest. Who has the better offensive lineup between the Dodgers and the Padres going into this series? All right. So is Fernando Tatis playing? Assuming Fernando Tatis. I think he's back. He is expected. Um, Top to bottom. I'm still, I'm still going to say the Dodgers only because if you have, even if you're, if you're all the way down to the catching spot, I would, I would take uh, Will Smith. I mean, if you think if you think of your catcher as your weakest link offensively, I, I'd still take Will Smith. Um, Agreed. Now, Belly's not in the lineup. He's still not going to be in the lineup. Um, so you're missing something there. But all of a sudden, Zach McKinstry. I mean, you have Mookie Betts, who was out of the lineup for four or five games with lower backs. Oh, yeah. He's back now, and he hit a home run. Um, so in his absence, you have Zach McKinstry, who comes out of Central Michigan. 33rd round, never hit a home run in Central Michigan, and all of a sudden is Babe Ruth. So top to bottom, I'm still going to take 
I'm still going to take the Dodgers, despite the fact that the Padres, I think, with if Fernando Tatis is back, which you don't know how his shoulder is going to respond. Cody Bellinger had the same exact problem with the pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out. Yeah, the um, only high five in the playoffs, right? The high five after yeah. the run of the playoffs. And he had to have offseason surgery. And I'm thinking that's probably the direction that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to have to go. Hmm. Um, so even if, if Tatis Jr. is back in the lineup, obviously we know what Manny Machado can do. He drove in three runs um, on, on Thursday. Uh, you know, so we know what Machado can do. Eric Hosmer, obviously, Will Myers, if he's helped, you know. I'm still going with the Dodgers top to bottom with, with Seager, Turner, Turner is in any situation. I want Turner at the plate in any situation. So I'll, I'll take the Dodgers lineup. So I'm going to echo that the Dodgers. I mean, they're the best team in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seager was my pick for NL MVP this year on every show I've done. Seager's my pick because what he did last year, what he continued in the postseason. Even through spring training, even though spring training doesn't matter, he hit 350 in spring training with a bunch of homers. So, um, and the depth, they just have depth. You miss Mookie, you miss Bellinger, you still go five and one in that during that span. Um, Chris Taylor's playing center field for Mookie. Mm -hmm. Like they have depth, they have interchangeable pieces, they have the best starting pitching in baseball. Um, What's going on with Kinley right now? Do we? I, he said he's pitching angry. I read that. Yeah, he's that, uh, really good. So I, I don't. I can't see him being like angry. He seems so nice to me. He is a nice guy. <laughs> Kenley, I think you know what bums me more about Kenley than anything is he changed his walkout song. It's no longer California Love. It makes me really sad. Um, he mm. says it's a new beginning for him. So, the thing with Kenley is that everyone expects him to be the Kenley Jansen of 2007, 2016, 2017, where he's throwing, you know, 97, 98, everyone knew he was going to throw the cutter. Nobody can hit it. Um, he mixes in a slider. Um, he's dabbling with things in games. Um, he still like Kershaw has to, you know, these guys, as they get older, have to reinvent themselves. Right. And everyone wants to focus so much on the velocity that the second it's down a tick or two miles an hour, people are flipping out. (laughs) So when you talk about Kenley pitching angrily, the other day he comes out and just shoves and it's a one, two, three inning. And all of a sudden you're like, well, welcome back, Kenley. But then the next outing, um, you know, he has inevitably some traffic on the bases and it's a little bit more of a nail biting situation. I think people are so quick to forget that this is still the guy that has the most saves in Dodger history, surpassing Eric Gagne. Is he going to be the same? Are we the same as we were five years ago? No. You know, like people Hell get no. older and you have, to, <laughs> yeah, you have to reinvent yourself and you have to readjust. Kershaw's not throwing what he was throwing but he's a first ballot hall of famer and he's still unbelievably effective. You tell me 29 other teams that wouldn't want Clayton Kershaw on their starting rotation. Well, this generation, he is the best pitcher during the past 20 years. No question. No question. So Kenley, you know, he's just, he's still figuring it out. And I give him a lot of credit that, you know, he's a very selfless guy. He doesn't have to pitch in the ninth. Obviously that's his preference. And Dave, perhaps to a fault is loyal to Kenley as his closer. Um, you know, and the daughters have other arms that can, can bridge that gap or, or be their closer. Um, you know, they don't have Pedro Baez anymore, but you know, there are still guys in that bullpen that, that can do it. So, um, 
it's tough. You know, you're not going to come out and be Mariana Rivera every single time. You're not going to be Kenley Jansen anymore every single time, but they still have the pieces in place. I mean, ask the, you know, ask the Atlanta Braves or Chicago White Sox bullpen right now, if they'd like to have Kenley. They'd probably take him, right? Yeah, of course. Not to mention Corey Knievel has been a really nice signing for him too. Coming off the three and he's in in Trinan's look electric as he did last year. Trinan is one of the most uncomfortable at bats I ever had in baseball. I hated facing him because he throws it and you're like, that is right down the middle. And then if you swing or if you take it, you realize how close it gets to your back leg. It's insane. The movement he gets, you watch him on TV and you see the movement and you're like, 90, 91, 99, what? That's not (laughs) supposed to move like that. And as a hitter, it almost, it gets there so quick. You don't realize, you don't see the movement until you realize where the catcher caught it or you watch or you you realize how much you missed it by. (laughs) It's insane. I feel like it's Jordan Hicks with a little less velocity, but more movement. Agreed. Yeah. Well, you guys already, you know, transitioned into my next question, really. Who's got the leg up? When it comes to the bullpen, because we already talked about the bullpen a little bit already. But when you're looking at San Diego, Milio Pagan, Drew Pomeranz, Mark Melanson's been very good as our closer. Right. Then you go to over to Los Angeles. We touched on Kenley Jansen. Blake Trinan's been great. Corey Knievel's been really good. And now you have David Price in that bullpen, too. Who's got the leg up going into the series? Do you want me to go? I'll go. Brooks Dodgers. Here. Dodgers. I mean, they're just uh, – I'm not going to – oh, I, I guess I could say battle-tested. I mean, they played in the big games. These yeah. All these guys, there were their arms in the bullpen last year who pitched in big situations and big games. Um, yeah, I mean, this is an easy answer for me. The yeah. And this isn't this isn't saying the, the Padres aren't good. They're very good. But um, you look at overall stuff, you look at velocity, you look at experience, Dodgers. And don't forget, you still didn't even have uh, Bruce Dargratterall in your bullpen yet right I mean, that's what i've I, my yeah. wheels are spinning on that i was like yeah, he, he uh he's you know he's close i think but you still you know you still have victor gonzalez who who pitched some unbelievable outs in the postseason last year he's you know, an you awkward got, lefty yeah, yeah. Awkward. and you got you got joe kelly that you know there, there's a lot of guys in that they may not be like oh my god that's like you know this vaunted bullpen but when you put them together collectively, yes. it's it's pretty impressive. Not to mention, you know, the amount of innings that they likely have to pitch um, aren't as many perhaps as as the Padres bullpen just because of the starters going, Correct. you know, as, as deep as you can. When you have the the starting staff that the Dodgers have, not to take anything away from the Padres by any stretch, they have a great staff. Um, you know, it, it, they're just set up. That's disgusting. Like how you know it's an abundance of wealth. And it's abundant, you know, it's a good problem to have, but they're just, they're just set up to succeed. Yeah. When you, when you look at the luxury tax and go, whatever, <laughs> you're going to be good, but that's what you have to do to be in the position they're in. You know, you, you look at the Yankees and they're like, oh, we really want to, you know, stay under and they're not playing as well. They don't, the talent, there's a gap in their starting pitching. There's a gap in their bullpen. If their offense, if they lose a couple guys that get hurt, then there's a gap in their lineup because they lost some depth because they didn't want to spend the money. Well, the Dodgers spend the money and they're going to reap the benefits of that. I will say this though, too, about the Dodgers. And I, and I understand completely if you're not a Dodger fan or you're not close to the organization, I understand why this team is easy to hate. I get it. Um, I wasn't a huge fan, honestly, until I started working there and I have a better understanding of the organization and how they run things and how they go about things. 
you can have deep pockets. It does not. And well, you know, you played for, you know, the, the Red Sox and, and a very historic team and organization in a city that has demands and expectations. And, you know, you can have deep pockets and you can spend the money. If, if you're not playing for one another and you're not playing for a, a team as a collective, it doesn't matter how much money you make. I've, I've covered teams and, and, you know, the 2014 Dodgers were not, was not a team that was built to win. There were so many different me, me, me versus team personalities in that clubhouse. And, and it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And another thing I think the Dodgers are really good at is there are a few teams that can win and develop at the same time. And one thing I give Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers front office credit for is that they have not given away really high-end prospects to get some of these guys in return in trade or being able to sign guys in free agency um, or, you know, shipping guys off. You still have the Gavin Luxes in your system. You still have the, the you know, the highly touted pitching prospects in your system. Um, you know, so the, the, they have the unique ability to, to win and build and not deplete a farm system. Mm-hmm. You, you also made a really good point. And I just want to point out how rare it is to have a combination, to have multiple players who are high dollar players, elite players, yet are still team players, mm-hmm. like you said. And Mookie You've bets. been around the game for a long time. This is, that's so rare to have that almost small market, uh, just team unity. The teams, you know, all those small market teams are like, we're the underdogs that we really got to come together to compete like the Rays did last year. But they have that mentality with the money they have in the mm-hmm. deep pockets. You just as you mentioned, so that that's what makes them even better. And they they've been able to succeed together for a couple seasons now, which is makes that that love and that bond even deeper. So I mean, you have they're just going to keep getting better and better. They add one piece, one piece, one piece, and we're going to look up and it's a dynasty, right? And you have you have three MVPs on the same team, dude. Tell me a team that has three MVPs that love each other as much as these guys love each other. That's you know what point. I mean? That's so rare. And you, have, and you have Mookie Betts come over who are, doesn't need to prove who he is or, or have anybody accept him. And he, he fit in so, and this, and will, you know him very well. And Danny, him, I'm yeah. not sure if you know Mookie at all. And I didn't have an opportunity to get to know him very well because COVID killed any sort of personal relationships I could have trying to get to know these guys and establishing, you know, a, a professional relationship with them. But he fit in so well. And it's not like he demanded like I'm on, this is my team. I mean, Justin Turner is the captain of the Dodgers period. And they just, they, they fit in so well together. And when they're in this bubble in Las Colinas for the postseason, I'm grateful we did not have to travel back and forth, but they're in this bubble in Las Colinas at the four seasons for three weeks. Right. So they had, I mean, they're live. it's like college. They're like, it's like dorms, dorm life. And it's so strange too, because they're in this hotel with the opposing team and it's like all the families. And again, you know, with free agency and all these trades and stuff, everybody knows everybody. And, you know, the days are gone where guys play for the same team their entire career, except for Yachty and, and Wayno. But they just, they truly, truly, truly cared about each other. And, and I think that's so important. So yes, I get the argument that they have a ton of money and blah, 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 and you're gonna get the big stars. But if they're not playing for each other, it doesn't make a world, it doesn't make an ounce of difference. The best teams I ever played on we hung out off the field all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Now at home, it's different. You're, you're at home, you're there with your family, all that. That's right. family time. But on the road, the best, the 2013, we won a World Series. Every, after every game, they're, it, the, the, the veterans have suites. They get suites built into there in the, their contracts. We call them show suites. Whose show suite are we going to? I mean, there's 10 of us deep, at least every night, just hanging out, talking mm-hmm. about the game, playing music, having drinks, just hanging out. And that's how you build that relationship. So that's really cool to hear the Dodgers are that way. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think that's what pains Red Sox, man, so much is seeing how well Mookie just became. You said Justin Turner is the captain, but he became one of the leaders. I mean, it's no, oh, no question. I mean, he's, a, he's much more of a quiet leader. I mean, Mookie yeah. is very quiet. Yeah, he's not a vocal he guy. Goes, he just goes about his business. He shows up early. He just does his thing. And I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, on Thursday, Mookie Betts donated his um, – game day salary to the players alliance so you know Very he's cool. just he's just a class act all, all the way around and he just fit in perfectly so thank he, you Boston. He <laughs> yeah he gets it man he sees the big picture he sees what's going on in society and, and he knows what he, he what he's doing in the sport is bigger than itself it's about the community that he's in he's just man he's he's just such a good dude I, yeah. boston's gonna chew on that one for a while <laughs> So last category of actual baseball, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about San Diego versus Los Angeles culture. But last one, so you guys both agree that the Dodgers have the better offensive lineup and the better bullpen. Starting rotation, which of the two? We'll start with Alana. Which of the two has the better starting rotation going into this series? You know, it's funny. Until uh, Musgrove threw that no-hitter. Um, you know, no, I just – I listen, you have – I'll still take Clayton Kershaw any day of the week. You have Walker Bueller who has so much confidence, um, but he has the stuff to back it up. You have Trevor Bauer, you have Dustin May that's throwing 99, hundred miles an hour. Um, and then you have Julio Urias who is, he's our, you know, he, well, he's the four in the rotation, but he'd be, you know, a, a five on, in, on a lot of teams. And, you know, he, he threw the final out of the world series. So, Plus you have, you know, David Price in your bullpen. You have other guys that can be long men. You can, you know, I always called Ross Stripling, who I know is with the um, Blue Jays now, the accordion of the Dodgers, because like they would stretch him out when they needed to and they'd smash him back in when they didn't kind of with Kent, you know, what they did with Kent Maeda and some other guys too, Alex Wood to a certain extent. Um, You Darvish is amazing. Obviously what Joe Musgrove is, is able to do. Blake Snell has not been the Blake Snell that everybody knows now because of Tampa Bay, but he's an unbelievably solid arm. Chris Paddock had a good outing for them on Thursday. He needs to continue to, these guys need to go deep into games. And if they can do that, they're a very solid rotation, but I mean, call it bias. I just think, uh, you know, based on experience and what these guys can do, I'm, I'm still taking the Dodgers rotation. I can't go against that. I do really like the Padres. I, I really like the Padres. Um, and adding Joe Musgrove to that mix of good arms, he just never got talked about, right? Because he was coming from playing in Pittsburgh. Um, and then obviously the news of Snell and Darvish is going to overshadow right. that. But um, yeah, man, the Dodgers are so deep. Like that's, yeah. we talk about postseason too, postseason successes. How, how do you win in the postseason? You have depth and your rotational depth. That's how you win, especially in a structure like we saw last year with the expansion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, they just, that it doesn't let up. They literally have seven starting pitchers who can beat you. So you can't, you can't not, not pick the Dodgers here. I think we're all getting a little bit cheated too. Like Alana mentioned, Belly's not in the lineup. 
for the Padres and Nelson Lamette's not going to be in their rotation, not to mention Mike Clevenger is out for the year too. So if we're yeah. talking about potential 2022 rotations, maybe the Padres would have a little bit more weight. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. As of right now, I couldn't agree more that Dodgers right now going into the series have the better rotation. Let's get into culture. This should be fun. We're going to piss off a lot of fans here. <laughs> like we have in our San Diego fans hate us by, they probably didn't make it this far in the podcast, but if they are, they're <laughs> love us even more now. Who's going to like Alana? Food? No, we're out. <laughs> probably. I don't doubt it. <laughs> Who's got the better food? Los Angeles, San Diego. We'll start with you, Brooksy. Um, I have, I love San Diego. I know much more about San Diego because I spent a season there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this burger place in San Diego. It's called Hodads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know Hodads? Oh, Hodads, of course. Bro, one of my favorite burgers on earth. And I come from like the deep south of like barbecue and like greasy burgers. Hodads. <laughs> I envision like if there's a burger place in heaven, <laughs> it's Hodads. <laughs> Hodads heaven. That's what it's called. It's at Petco Park. They have a Hodads. Yeah, they put it in the stadium yep. because they were sick of me sending the clubbies out to get it for myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm so biased when it comes to food in San Diego because well, well number one I like I said I just spent more time there but um like the little spots you can go to on the beach uh there's so many little small towns that you can like like Ocean Beach Pacific Beach like those areas you can just go park and walk around all day and just go to places oh I'll stop at the beach oh I'll go get sushi here there's just so much walkable mm-hmm. um in San Diego I think that's what puts it at the top of the list for me yeah, I think, uh, it's, you know, you'd be hard pressed to not find amazing food in either city. I think San Diego has incredible breakfast places. Richard Walker and every single baseball player knows about, we always joke that it's Dick Walker's. Uh, everybody knows about Richard Walker's. Cafe 222, uh, The Mission, all of those places right around Petco Park. And I love, I love, if I'm going to a game, as much as I love Dodger Stadium, I just love the fact that you can walk everywhere in San Diego. I love yeah. that about a city. Gas lamp is so cool. So great. The gas oh. lamp is so great. So I'm going to say for breakfast, San Diego. Um, I am, you know, I lived in Manhattan Beach for seven years. Well, five years. My first two years, I was in the middle of the city. But I am a huge fan of the Strand House uh, in Manhattan Beach. Really, really good. It, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna go wrong with cuisine in San Diego or LA. They're they're both incredibly good places to to eat. I will say I like the the weather in LA more because it's just hotter. I like heat. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like it, you know, that those 705 first pitches at Petco, it's not as cold as San Francisco, but there are days there you're like, yeah. you forget that you think Southern California and it's always gonna be hot, not a game time. Yeah. June that June gloom that June gloom rolls in it gets chilly a little windy at night yeah that's That's where the fly balls would go to die dude yeah that's my only only issue with Oracle Park I think it's probably if you're just looking at it from the outside in probably the most beautiful park maybe next to PNC PNC yeah but the problem is it's cold as shit down there (laughs) hey speaking of that stadium Speaking of that stadium in San Fran, isn't it funny how every day in the seventh inning, it doesn't matter what time Eagles. the game starts, the Seagulls know. They're like yeah. watching the, oh, it's the seventh, yeah. boys. Let's go. Yep. There they, they are in the outfield. They must hate extra innings because they're just waiting to dive bomb the stadium to eat all of the food, all of the, the garlic fries there. that are left at Oracle Park. Yeah, it's that's my t- that's top three park for me, Oracle, but I hate, hate reporting from there because I'm always – in a parka because i'm constantly freezing in san francisco what, what about oakland 
you're, 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 you're hidden in like a little cubby. You can't even see the game. You have like a little screen to watch. I know. And well, the foul territory is so huge there. And there's like the dugouts. You might as well be on the warning track. Um, I didn't have to go to Oakland a ton because I was only, we only played the AL West a few times where we actually would travel to Oakland just based on schedule. Um, yeah. It, I mean, Oakland, they need to just start over, but blow it up. Yeah. Blow it up. Start over. That leads me on to my next question. Better ballpark, Petco Park, Dodger Stadium. We'll start with you, Alana. I mean, Dodger Stadium is so historic. And, you know, and, and Janet Marie Smith, the uh, vice president of planning and development, has done such an amazing job of keeping the historic feel of the park, you know, since it opened in 62 to keeping the feel, but also modernizing it for the, for the you know, the current fan. Um, and what people expect now and no one just goes to a ballpark anymore to watch a baseball game like it's like you need to be entertained constantly because of the world we live in. Um, so Dodger Stadium is it's just you know it's the third oldest in the league it's beautiful it's historic the San Gabriel Mountains it's just it has so many stories to tell in those walls as does Fenway. Um, as does the old Yankee, but, uh, Petco, I love the Western metal supply company building. I love that the foul pole is in it. I love that it's in the gas lamp. I don't like Dodger stadium in that you can't walk around it and I hate getting in and out of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, from a historic perspective, Dodger from a, from a convenience and a let's go bar hopping after Petco. Yeah. And, and aesthetically speaking petco but as a player so san diego is super chill to play there um but i like playing dodger stadium because there's nothing better than like a friday night saturday night game at dodger stadium and alana you can like the batter's eye it's it's the big black batter's eye in center is just all speakers mm -hmm. And like Jimmy, like J roll, like all these guys, Matt Kemp, like they're all coming up and the ground is just like <laughs> under your feet. The first game I ever started professionally after, after I turned like 19, they moved me to third base and we're, I was playing for the Padres and they asked me, Hey man, uh, they, uh, doc, Dave, Dave Roberts was like the night before I was like, Hey, you're off tomorrow. I'd played a few in a row. And he gave me and Jay up the day off. He calls me at like 2 AM. He's like, Hey, Brooksy. I'm like, how are you this awake, bro? It's two. And he's like, you know how upbeat Doc is. Yeah, and he's like, hey, can you play shortstop? And I'm like, I haven't played shortstop since high school, bro. But yes, I can. Sure, yep. <laughs> this is a Saturday night game in Dodger Stadium. And I just remember being a little nervous because it was different. I haven't played short. And at the time, it had been like eight years, probably. And I'm playing in Dodger Stadium, packed house, ground shaking. J-Roll hits the first pitch of the game, like a short hop, like laser beam at me. I just knock it down, like off my chest. And I threw him out, made the play. And then I was fine after that. But I would just, the atmosphere at Dodger Stadium, and you can literally, and I keep harping on this, the way you can feel the music on the field there and the crowd, because they're like on top of you, um, made it one of my favorite places to play on the road. So I have to go, I'm going to go with Dodger Stadium. Too much Dodgers bias for one podcast. I'm going to go with Petco personally, but I have been to both. Both are fantastic. I think personally, Petco is my favorite. One, because of weather. Two, because of food. Three, for better or for worse, there's not always a packed house at Petco Park, so it's comfortable, which is why I kind of like Oakland too, by the way. So you enjoyed them not having success. Okay. 
For a little bit, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> last one, last one. Who's got the better of beaches? Los Angeles, San Diego. We'll start with Alana. I don't know. I talk about living in Manhattan Beach and never going to the beach. It's like people that live in New York never go to the Statue of Liberty, or if you're from Arizona, you've never been to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, a beach frequenter person. I, I think I've been to a beach in California four times. So I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not the one to ask on that. I've never been to the beach in LA. I have been to the beach many times in San Diego, ocean beach, one of my favorite spots. And it's just more like the surrounding area. The beach is beautiful. It's great. There's like tons of people surfing and fishing off the pier. Uh, but the surrounding area where you can just park and spend the day there and just walk around all the restaurants, go back to the beach, go to a restaurant, just hop back and forth. That was cool. Just that, that vibe there. So I have to go San Diego. Not Pacific beach. Huh? I like, I like that too. Pacific beach had a dog beach. Yeah. Oh yeah. That we used to take Bo, my dog to when he was a puppy. And one time he ran away, bro. He hauled it through the parking lot. I'm chasing him like uh, close to a mile. And finally somebody picked him up. They're like, Oh, that guy's chasing his dog. Maybe we should stop it. <laughs> nah, it was wild. So that kind of ruined the dog beach for me. Cause we never went back. Yeah. Now Jenny just takes you there to play, right? <laughs> Jenny doesn't take me many places anymore because we have kids. Mm. All right. It's about them now. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question for you both. Who's winning the series? We'll start with you, Alana. Dodgers. Dodgers. Two out of three Dodgers. Two out of three. Two out of three. Yeah, I agree. That was easy. <laughs> Look at us. I want to go against you guys just because – I'm rooting for the Padres this year because I want my prediction to come true. But Ryan Weathers going game one, it's tough. The pitching matchups, I'm really, really looking forward to. Alana Rizzo, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do for MLB Network and with Chris Russo? Yes. Um, so I'm a contributor on High Heat. I um, I do whatever Chris tells me. No, I'm kidding. I um, <laughs> It's just an interesting dynamic, right? Because he is a guy that's been known in, this, in the world of radio forever and now uh, TV for the last eight years. So um, I do the Rizzo Report and we just talk about baseball. And, you know, he's a very um, opinionated guy, but I have to say he's been incredibly gracious and welcoming to me. Um, you know, he has this persona on the air and people are like, oh my God, but he actually is such a kind human. Um, so I do the Rizzo report. We just, we talk baseball. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping to bring a lot of, a lot more interviews, um, to the show, just because of my relationships with players over the course of, you know, being a reporter for 15 years, I have more of a reporting background than anything. So, um, We've done about 10 shows together so far, just kind of making our way uh, through it. It's it's by and large, it's his show. I'm, I'm just a contributor on it. Um, you know, when I decided to leave the Dodgers, it was very tough. I didn't want to. I, I mean, I love that job. They were um, unbelievable to me, but my fiance lives on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast. It just didn't jive anymore. So I'm very grateful that I can still be covering the game I love more than anything and do it at home. So I'm um, I know how fortunate I am and I'm just thankful that MLB um, made the mistake of hiring me twice and that I, I'm, I'm back, um, back on, uh, you know, the network with them. When's the wedding? I don't know. Ask COVID. Like that's a great <laughs> question. I don't know. We got engaged um, November of 19 and I don't know. Just stay at engaged. Some, at some point. Forever. Have, yeah. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I know your wife. I know her very well. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, that's a great question. At some point, we'll we'll get married. I already feel married, you know. So it's like whatever. Right. 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 Well, well I you're killing say, it. You're killing yeah. it, and we appreciate you blessing us with your presence. Thank yes. you. It's been guys. awesome. It's my yeah. pleasure anytime, and thanks for having me. Continued success, Danny. Nice to finally meet you. Well, it's good to see you. And tell uh, Denny I said hi. I will. See you later. <laughs>